You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinson's.org.uk. Hello once more from us movers and shakers. We're in the pub again having a bit of a chat, a bit of a moan, a bit of a laugh too. Laughter comes as easily as it ever did, but the chatting is much harder for me. And even my ordinary conversation sounds like moaning to my own ears, distinctly querulous and pathetic. I'm Mark Mardell. Sometimes I feel like saying, cue violins. I used to be Mark Mardell. But the Republican candidate is learning the hard way that scornfully dismissing voters on the other side of the divide isn't particularly good politics. Mark Mardell, BBC News, Washington. I've so, never heard of you. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> so this episode on voice is very personal for me and for Gillian too. Yeah, I mean my voice is rather different from yours in that yours is consistently lower than it was, isn't it? Mm. And mine just comes and goes. There are times when it goes entirely and I can't articulate a word. And people have to guess what I'm saying. I can literally only talk with my eyes, which is very, very disconcerting. But what eyes? (laughs) Oh, aren't you lovely? (laughs) But nobody understands a word. That's not quite true. My daughters do, and my husband doesn't. So I look at something, which means, please give me that. Look there. That means give me that teapot. And nobody understands. It's a big issue for me, and it's become more of an issue since DBS. I was warned that the DBS might hurt my ability to speak. What's DBS? For those who haven't followed us on the first series, it's deep brain stimulation, which is an operation to put two electrodes into your head, which gave me my life back, but took my voice away. Does that always happen? I don't know. We, have, we will be talking in a moment to Tim, who is a specialist at the hospital where I had the DBS and speech therapy, and he will tell us whether it always happens. I assume it happens very often because I went to see him and he sits in that unit, so that must be a clue. Well, let's have a roll call first of all. Who's here? Uh, I'm Rory Kathleen-Jones. Nicholas Mostyn. Paul Mayhew Archer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeremy Faxman. Gillian Lacey-Solomar. So Tim is Tim Grover. Uh, he's a speech therapist and he's a member of the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapy. He has been a speech therapist for 20 years and I have to confess he is actually my speech therapist and has done rather a good job of it. So, Tim, tell us why does this happen? So, if we think about the symptoms of Parkinson's, rigidity, slowness of movement, and if we were to superimpose those on the apparatus of speech production, so respiration and phonation of the voice and articulation, those same symptoms play out but we don't see them but we hear them and what we hear amongst other things are a soft and breathy voice but also changes to rate changes to to voice quality changes to intonation most frequently people report that that they're being asked to repeat themselves and that they're not loud enough and yet to them they feel that they're, they're perfectly loud enough we know there's also changes to their the sensory input their perception of what what is a normal loud voice and that's related to Parkinson's, that change in perception? And, and that, that is related to Parkinson's, yeah. And that's how and why people with Parkinson's sound soft and breathy and, and speak quietly. I still don't quite understand the physiological 
action that's going on here? What is it in our voice boxes that is, is changing? If you were to look at how slowness of movement and reduced extensive movement and, and tremor, say, and rigidity, if you think about that for walking and how there's less movement and less arm swing, but if you were to think about how that's working on the muscles of respiration and in the larynx, on the muscles of phonation and articulation, there's again, there's less movement and also the timing of movement is affected. So it's like a muscle, there's a speech muscle that has got weaker? Well, essentially it's movement. It's less movement, poor initiation of movement and less extensive movement. It's well recognised, isn't it? Because I was t- rather taken aback when I was diagnosed that the professor sent me to the speech therapist almost immediately to be checked out. Well, it's worked with you. Well, uh, uh, well yeah. you still <coughs> sound incredibly judge-like. I Thank keep you. waiting for you to say I, silence in court. No, or... I've got it all over now. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I keep forgetting we no longer need to refer to you or, no, de- no. or defer to you in any way. Well, you can defer to me, but in a different capacity. Ex-judge. But I'm so but jealous of your voice these days. Do you know you've never had any problems? No. Has anybody else? It's been actually my, my biggest fear. I, I've, I've kept waiting for it to happen because if, if I'm you're your a bro- nightmare. If you're a, a broadcaster, one of your essential characteristics. I'm, I, right now, I'm in the process of recording, or I have been recording an audio book, which requires me to sit in front of a microphone for hours each day. I do find myself stopping and repeating myself and worrying about my voice in a way I never would have a few years ago. But isn't that good, good practice for you to keep your voice going? Well, it does feel like... I mean, I do like to talk. I'm going to carry on damn well talking. What about you, Jeremy? I haven't noticed any effects at all. Maybe you do. Do you? No, you sound... (laughs) Your volume is... Your volume is definitely not gone down. Fuck off, judge. (laughs) (laughs) Ex-judge. Ex-judge. Could could I ask you a bit more about this DBS? Because I am possibly going to have DBS, but also my voice is quite important to me. So I'm sort of faced with this... Balancing act, I suppose. Absolutely. So um, well, negative speech side effects are a common occurrence in deep brain stimulation. And so whilst deep brain stimulation is remarkable for, for movement, it's not for speech. It's a common, very common negative side effect. But again, it depends on the exact kind of DBS that you have. Ah. So if you have DBS of the subthalamic nucleus, then speech could be a, feasibly a negative side effect. DBS yeah. of the what, sorry? Of the subthalamic nucleus. This is the, the group of nuclei in the brain that's commonly targeted in the UK. But it could be targeted somewhere else. Could it? So the GPI is a different variant. But in this country, we favour the, the STN. The you want, you want to get the, the one that shuts us up. You yeah, you want yeah. to get the GPI. <laughs> it seems so. It seems so. <laughs> Paxman version. That one. Yeah. Well, it's a balancing act, isn't it, really? Yes, yeah. I mean, Tim has all these recordings of me before yes. when I still had a strong voice. Yeah. And I thought it's not going to affect me. I don't know why I thought that, but listen to me. I mean, it just goes. So would you rather have the speech or would you rather have the, th- the other advantages that you've had from DBS? Oh, for me, there was no question. I was in so much pain. Mm. Anything to put an end to that pain, seriously. So it was either going to have to be DBS or a trip off to uh, Switzerland. (laughs) But also, my my (laughs) wife is hard of hearing. So that adds to the complexity of it, really. So is mine. And and is you, I mean, we'll get on to what you can do about this, if anything, in a moment. But I mean, I'd just say that the psychological impact, and I'm not a sort of self pitying person, I hope. It is tremendous because I've been a broadcaster all my life. It undermines the way I feel about myself. But more than that, it's just in a family. I'm used to being the strong, dominant voice. And I literally feel invisible. 
And I guess... But for as long as I've known you, you've had this diminished voice. But you have plateaued. You haven't, don't seem to have got any worse in the time that I've known you. That's true. And we've, we've been meeting here for, what, 18 months? Maybe others would disagree, but it seems to have plateaued in that period. But you listen to me. My family don't always. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's you literally, do sound different, Mark. And it is literally true that, you know, in a noisy gathering, I mean, some people are great and will lean in and listen to you. But others, when the conversation really gets going, you have to say something three times and then say, sorry, what did you say? And you try and repeat a joke that you'd made impromptu because it's not funny anymore. But the, but the other problem is that people say they can hear you when in fact they haven't heard a word you say because oh, yes. they don't want yeah. you to repeat it. I listen to your voices around and I hear different things happening. To oh, what are you hearing? Do oh. tell, us. tell us. Well, I think... I think in Mark's case, his voice is soft and quiet and decreased in extent of art. Everything is smaller, your volume is low, yeah. and your articulation is smaller. I, and Gillian I know very well, and she mm. has some DBS-type speech, so it's a slight increase in tonicity. Tonicity? Uh, yeah, the tone. It, it's slightly tight, the voice, mm. and it comes and goes. Again, with your speech, it's uh, quieter. My softer, speech? Yeah, kind of more classically Parkinson's. Soft and quiet. And I'm not aware of it being quieter at all, you see. Yeah, you yeah, well, again, that's classic. Yes. <laughs> um, so how do you know it's quieter? Well, I think it's... What? I'm leaning in. <laughs> <laughs> if you're leaning in, yes. if people are asking you to repeat, then you're not loud enough. And, and how can we overcome that? What can we do, train ourselves? Because well, we go for long walks, we do all the physical exercises. Indeed, well, uh, first and foremost, continued use of the voice. So don't stop communicating and avoid communicative situations. And don't start handing over communicative tasks. So keep speaking. And if you go to a restaurant, you order the food. And if you need to phone the bank, you phone the bank. Don't start handing it over. That's the, the worst. It's very easy to do. Absolutely, yeah. But I think, I think that people who help you in that way, that of course it's well meant, but they're actually doing you a, a disservice, I think. Make your voice heard. Make yeah, your voice heard, yeah. And then um, robust voice use, like reading aloud. You know, if you can do nothing else, then reading aloud. If you live alone, for example, then reading aloud. Or if you do crosswords, read the clue in aloud So doing voice. an audio book is a good idea. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> and there is a particular technique which we're going to hear a bit from a former colleague. I'm Vin Ray, and like others in the Movers and Shakers team, I worked at the BBC, where I was foreign editor. Uh, that's the person in charge of international news. Um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's five years ago in 2018 though I can trace the symptoms back five years before that. I was very used to speaking at the BBC, doing presentations, chairing editorial meetings, and, well, generally shouting across the newsroom. But as my symptoms developed, one of the things I noticed was that my voice was becoming weaker and thinner and quieter. My sentences trailed away at the end, and I noticed that people, my wife especially, kept asking me to repeat what I was saying. And I gradually realised that what sounded to me as normal volume was very low volume to those I was talking to. I also had a mumbling, flat intonation and I was struggling to articulate my words. Parkinson's is a stealthy foe. It slowly eats away at your verbal fluency, your mental fluency and your physical fluency. And all these things can erode your confidence. And when you add to that the sense that people are thinking, Speak up, man! and you're struggling to find the right word anyway, it can make you feel diminished, slower, and more reluctant to participate in conversations. Now, quite early on, my consultant suggested that I sign up for Lee Silverman voice training, or LSVT as it's known in the speech therapy community. 
It took about a year before I got on it, but it was well worth it. It is very intense. You need to make space. It's four sessions a week for four weeks. And I don't know how it works for others, but the speech therapist came to my home for every single session, which was a fantastic service. The exercises are verging on comical, and there was a degree of mirth about the noises emanating from our back room. But I have to say the therapists were brilliant. The first exercise is to say ah for as long and as loud as possible while the therapist measures your volume in decibels. So, ah, and on you go. I did manage 45 seconds on one occasion, but most of the time it was around 20 to 25 seconds. There are other exercises, including a vocal stretch, where you start at the lowest note you can manage, and then glide seamlessly, or not, in one go to the highest note you can manage. Something like this. And so on it goes. Like many things to do with Parkinson's, I now think about how I'm speaking and look for opportunities to exercise my voice. I get to practice every week with my mum, Peggy. She's 94, nearly blind, but loves to do crosswords. And because she's nearly completely deaf, I have to call out the clues in a voice that's loud and clear enough for her to hear without shouting. It goes something like this. I'll say four letters beginning with D, to which she'll reply C, no, D, O, P, no, D, and so on it goes. The key question, I suppose, is does it work? Well, it certainly did for me. My voice is stronger and I'm more confident now and, crucially, I'm aware when my voice is slipping. Most importantly of all, though, Sarah, my wife, says she no longer struggles to hear me. Vin Ray. Well, I... I, I you I, one take? I think so. No idea. He sent it's it very to good. Can I just check, is the four-letter word beginning with D deaf by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I had dead. <laughs> I had dull. <laughs> also, anyway. and yet another broadcaster from the BBC. Does the BBC give us Parkinson's? Yeah, well, knowing Vin Ray, having worked with him years ago, it, it was a slight shock at first because although he's obviously done good work to get his voice better, his voice was not what it was, was it? No, I mean, that's the first time I've, I've heard him. I've been communicating by email, but. And does he have it right about Lee Silverman, Tim? What he said in that really encapsulates many people's experience. Wives and husbands asking people to repeat. And the way he describes the exercises, you know, that is exactly what's involved. These repeated vocal exercises are long and loud. Ah! And are going up in a glide and coming down in a glide. Reading aloud, speaking aloud. And it, you know, it's arduous practice, you know, every day for four weeks and then continued practice at the end. And what is it, this technique? It's, it's well known, is it accepted? Does it work? This is the, the standard approach for Parkinson's speech and has been for you know, 20, 30 years that the Lee Silverman voice treatment developed by a speech therapist in the States, uh, named after a patient, I believe. Are you going to do it, Mark? Well, I was approaching this episode with excitement and optimism because I was on an NHS course. I mean, it's uh, been on the, on the waiting list. I went to the ENT to make sure it wasn't anything else. I got home from holiday a week ago today and got this letter. I wonder whether you could read it out, Nick. Dear Mr. Bomardell, 
We've experienced a loss of staffing, which has in turn had a significant effect on the range of services we are able to offer at this time. Unfortunately, we are therefore unable to offer LSVT, Lee Silverman Voice Therapy, for the time being. We sincerely apologise for the inconvenience caused and are also very disappointed we are unable to provide this currently. We would like to offer you an alternative option. Our speech therapy assistant can offer a less intensive block of group therapy worked on the principles of LSVT, which you may be interested to attend. She is LSVT qualified and can therefore provide appropriate input. So that's so, the option. So I've applied for that, but I was a bit disappointed at the NHS called Friday. Are you surprised, Tim? I'm not surprised. It's a very time-intensive therapy. So 16 speech therapy sessions and in services where you know there's pressures to see any number of patients, that's probably where the cut would be made. Do you feel that speech therapy isn't given, I'm, I'm sure any specialist feels this, but isn't given sufficient recognition in terms of um, its importance? I, I think within speech therapy, uh, we obviously deal with swallowing disorders and speech disorders, and swallowing will always be prioritised. Yeah, one um, can understand Understandably. That. Yeah. But I, I think often the, the impact of, of changes to speech probably aren't recognised enough, and they're quite subtle, the way they, they kind of creep in. People will start, oh, I'm not bothered about my speech. And then it's only further down the line that people become more concerned and it becomes a real issue. You know, when they can't participate in conversations, they can't go out. And, you know, if you're not conversing and communicating, then you're, you're isolated. Can you give yeah. us some exercises? Yeah, I can give you the standard uh, Lee Silverman exercises if you want. So we'll start off with a, a big open mouth and a long and loud... Oh. Stop now. Uh, Very good. Well, you Very just shang off there, yeah. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Are you ready? We have to do uh, 10 of those. Oh, my God. So, but Tim, uh, is that, why can't I do them? I'm very disconcerted by that. Is that because I haven't been doing them? Although you told uh, me. It's, I think because of the, the stimulation. Yeah. So you're obviously you know, you're having stimulation that's improving your other symptoms. Yeah. But the stimulation is still spreading to areas involved in speech. And it's mm. where it's not needed as such. And so we, we call that current spread. And so to get you to go louder could in fact be, or to get you to you know, try and do that could actually be counterproductive. Yeah, it feels So I would say really don't, for you, for people with okay. speeches of yours, don't do these silver. One right. more exercise. One more exercise. So this would be very similar. And you can either do a jump or a glide, but you'd, for about five seconds, say, Ah! Ah! Bravo, that was rather good. <laughs> and then the same way, but going down from the same pitch to begin with. <laughs> so I often patients, they can't seem to get that one. And I always sort of say, you know, you know, Matt Monroe, born free. Born yeah. free. It's, it's, oh. it's, it starts like that. But then they're forever going, born free. Do you reckon free. we should do a Christmas album? I think. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yeah, Along with that book, we were going to write. Yeah, yeah. And there's other techniques as well for different sorts of things. You had a patient who's a headmistress and was used to Indeed. communicating. 
Indeed. Like, like Vin, like myself, sure. quite strongly. I was diagnosed just for lockdown. One of the early warning signs for me, I got Parkinson's, was my speech. Everybody, asked, everybody I came across asked to repeat what I said. I couldn't, I couldn't understand why. I'd always been told I spoke too quickly, so I tried to slow it down, which made it worse. Once that goes, I had speech therapy and did the Lee, did the Lee Silverman Big and Loud programme, which was very helpful with loudness. Since then, my speech has deteriorated over the last three years, leading to a lot of isolation. I'm very nervous about approaching anyone in the street or asking things in the shop, ordering a restaurant, going to parties, going to dinners. I used to be a teacher, so I was very used to being very loud and clear and commanding voice. So, again, like yourselves, this lady is a professional, previously a professional voice user, so she should have a good, you know, strong voice. But and she'd done Lee Silverman. She's very fast, and she's developed a fascination of speech where the words are kind of running into one another and are butting one another, and you could describe it as hastening of speech. So now she's quiet, but now she's also fast. And typically, like a bull running down a hill, it might start slow but then speed up. But if you were to stop it incrementally, it would, it would slow down again. And a number of therapy approaches can be used to, to, to slow people down. But the fascination of speech, hastening of speech, can, be, can, be, can really decrease intelligibility, as, as this lady has found. That's yeah. the thing I find very difficult to understand with people when they talk and they, the words overlap one another, as it were. That makes it very difficult to It's very to difficult, hear. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, Tim, do you want to introduce... Sure, so we have a couple of techniques um, that I've tried with this lady. There's one where she has a... Uh, like a cube and it's like a child's toy, a poppet toy. And she presses like a button on, on the cube for each word that she says. And then she has to kind of reset the cube as it pops out. And that pauses her. I've recently been working with Tim on various techniques to improve my clarity. I'm currently using a child's popper toy, a five centimetre plastic cube with poppers. A little bit like bubble rub. I call it Christine's cube. I don't use it for every single word, but when my, my speech starts to hasten, I use it then. When my speech regulates, I stop. It's easy, it's easy to stop and start again. It's very portable. I have one in the car, in my bag, various rooms around the house. It's quite comforting to feel when I'm in stressful social situations. It's a little bit like a comfort blanket. And the other technique? So another technique to slow pace is a metronome, or in this case a metronome watch. And this is actually a watch called a Soundbrenner watch that's developed for drummers, but it vibrates or flashes at so many beats per minute. And uh, in, in this clip here, she's timing her speech to the beats of the watch, and it works quite well. I'm also using a device like a big watch linked to an app. The watch vibrates to a self-selected metronome beat. The technology is more challenging than the cube. However, I'm still, pra still practising and find it useful. The downside is the noise the vibration makes, which sounds strange to other people. So I have to explain what I'm doing and why. It's early days yet, but I feel like I'm starting to, I feel like I'm starting to internalise the rhythm. Lots of different techniques, Tim, then. But what do you find unifies everything that you do? 
So I think there are so many different techniques and really you have to look at the individual and how their speech is and the severity of it and what might work for them. And also acknowledge that all these different techniques might only work in certain situations. She's not going to use that watch 24-7. And yet there will be opportunity, there will be good times that she can use and it's useful. Likewise with the cube she has. Likewise, even if people have done Lee Silverman, to do that and to think loud and speak in a loud voice all the time is incredibly challenging. Um, and I think you have to acknowledge that, you know, I'm going to really try in this situation or that situation today. So it really is case by case and situation by situation, and, and every patient is different. Is, is stammering a different sort of um, example of the same sort of problem, as speak? Yeah, and so we do have um, patients with Parkinson's with a, an acquired neurological stammer, and this can be very, very tricky to deal with. Um, and we often use a technique called delayed auditory feedback, and they might wear some earphones and hear themselves with a fraction of a delay. This is a, the same technique that's used in childhood stammering, but it, it works very well. Does music help as well? Because in educating Yorkshire, there's the wonderful Michelle. Yeah, I think, so another technique that, that I really like is um, auditory masking. And the reason that this is a great technique is because it requires no effort on the part of the patient. And you would play music or, say, white noise to one earphone and it immediately the person will, will speak above it and they'll achieve their, their normal loud voice but without effort and they can sustain this of course it can be distracting I've been practicing putting on the Hugh Grant villain voice which seems to help me project a little bit uh, better can we have an example yes, well, this is what I'm trying to do right now you silly <laughs> baby. if you look behind you <laughs> yes the, the Hugh Grant villain voice is another common technique uh, <laughs> Well, I'm a bit depressed by what I've heard. How about the rest of you? It's, it's opened my eyes to you know what a big problem it is, but I'm also fascinated by how much research and technology is coming into it, which seems kind of hopeful. Would you say it's, it's better than 10 years ago? Absolutely. I mean, I think with the advent of apps, this has really taken thin, things forward. So techniques like delayed auditory feedback and masking that were previously you had to have a certain setup for, you know, now everyone can have them on an app, providing you're, you know, adept with a, a smartphone. Jeremy, how about you? You don't look very cheery at the prospect. No, I think it sounds really grim. I listened to Mark, and I used to hear Mark with a very confident voice, and I don't hear him with that anymore. I hear him quietly. Cheer I'm, us up, Paul. You always. Well, I'm I'm left in two minds really because I don't know whether to have the DBS because of its advantages or not to have the DBS because it might damage my voice which is so I think 10 years ago it was a more of a problem and we'd say well if you develop speech side effects then you know we'll do our best but now the technology has advanced so much that we can adjust the stimulation to mitigate these changes to speech. Well that makes me feel more optimistic. A neurologist did tell me a story about a couple who came to see him and (laughs) he said to the husband uh, so any developments in the last year and the husband went And the neurologist said, uh, sorry, I didn't quite catch that. And the husband went, uh, 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 and the neurologist thought, I can't ask him to say it again. So I'm just going to, I think he was asking me a question. And I think he's expecting the answer, no. So I'll just take a punt. He said, no, said the neurologist. At which point the man's wife leant forward and said, what my husband is asking is, do you think he needs speech therapy? (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. a true story. Well, that very gives good. me the last excuse to do a very small poem I've written, which has five lines, which is about our not being able to speak and our partners not being able to hear. So this is how it goes. You can't hear and I can't speak. 
but we still have the luxury of touch, and often that's enough. Oh, oh. oh, oh very good. Very good. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Kathleen-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter at Movers and Six. That's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>